We've all heard of the Lion King, but this week the Tiger King has been roaring. I'm talking, of course, about a new show on Netflix that's been blowing up the internet this week. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for the Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and your family. Thanks for joining us, and, and you might have noticed that my voice doesn't sound quite right. I'm I'm in the process of surviving pneumonia, but I'm getting back on my feet, so <laughs> thanks for wondering how I'm doing. I'm going to be okay. Well, Netflix's Tiger King has pounced seemingly out of nowhere this week to land in TVs across the nation, and it's prompted a lot of conversation in the mainstream media about some of its extreme themes and what its popularity has to say about our culture right now. So we're going to talk about that as a prelude to a bigger conversation about the state of watching TV right now when many of us are confined to our homes. And speaking of conversation, we'd love for you to join our discussion too. So be sure to let us know what you're thinking by emailing us at team at thepluggedinshow.com. We want to know what you think about what we think about TV during the coronavirus right now. Joining me for our conversation today are... Jonathan McKee. Emily Clark. Paul Acey. And Bob Hoos. All right. For our icebreaker today, what do you think are some of the TV series that have most shaped our culture over the course of the last several decades? Now, you can go old classics. You can go new prestige TV. Just give us a thought on what you think has had a lasting cultural influence when it comes to television. You know, for me... Honestly, I'm going to go back about 20 years and say The X-Files. Oh, The X-Files. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, The X-Files, I think, was a huge, huge deal. You know, it was never like a Game of Thrones type of show where everybody was watching it. But when you look at two things that I see going on in TV, sort of these serialized threads that go throughout most TV seasons and throughout most TV series and in prestige TV, I think they can almost be traced right back to the X-Files. And then hmm. you see this huge emphasis on, uh, on, on really strange stories. Sci-fi and fantasy are definitely in right now. And I think that the X-Files was sort of like the harbinger of, of what Ooh. that was all about in the world of TV. You like harbinger. that word? I love it. There you go. I love it. Paul, your vocabulary astounds me. Uh, I think for me, I'm going to say what I think is probably the obvious one, and that's Friends. Friends was just the show that impacted our culture. And, And I will prove it. Before Friends, there weren't coffee joints. All right? And I say the word joint. I say the word joint in my best New York accent as possible. Okay, I don't know. That wasn't New York. But the thing is, literally, <laughs> literally before that, people did not go to coffee. And people saw friends and are like, I now want coffee and to sit around on a couch with friends because my family hates me. Or I don't know. You know, it was like this kind of this <laughs> dark look in the world. Like, if hey, if you don't have family that loves you, you got friends. And people responded to that. Yeah. And they loved it. And it was a creative show. It was well written. I mean, and. Man, I tell you, uh, you know, I mean, there was absolute chaos when it was pulled from Netflix. I mean, people loved them, some friends, and it wasn't just older generations. It was this current generation knows friends, the show (laughs) from the 90s. It's It's a glimpse into the 90s. So, I mean, the show had a huge impact. Yeah, I think uh, Kristen would agree with you. She's not here today, but yeah, she's definitely feeling the 
the tragedy the of losing fire, yeah. friends from Netflix. Uh, yeah. So shows that I thought about, um, you know, branching off of friends would be, you know, The Office. People are still quoting The Office however so many years later since um, it went off air. Um, some other shows I can think of, I remember Full House, Cheers, Grey's Anatomy, um, and then, sorry, you know, sorry, King- sorry. This isn't multiple choice. You're stealing I'm- everybody else's answers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying there's a lot of shows that I think have contributed to the culture, um, and still contribute to the culture today. Okay. Well, I, I get, I, in my opinion, you guys have sort of all missed the boat. Every single one of you, because, <laughs> because you, the overlooked, no, I'm serious. You, you've overlooked the fact that Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> when you said missed the boat, I thought you were <laughs> exactly. Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. Island. I, I mean, it, it foreshadowed our current social media culture. I it really did. You know, where everybody has the mindset of a three-year-old. And so oh it's, the, it's the perfect. TV I thought you were going to say that we were all making phones out of bamboo or something like. Well, that. that's true too. Yeah, that's true too. That's awesome. Oh well, I'm sitting here trying to think of what my answer to my own question is, and you're going to love my answer. I guarantee it. So I'm going to go with Dallas from the 1980s. Dallas. Oh, and wow. Here's why I'm going what? with Dallas. It was a blend of soap opera drama and cliffhangerness like you never knew what was yeah. going to happen from episode to episode and from season to season and the whole who shot jr thing those of us of a certain tender age will remember that i think what it did was it made tv bigger than just one episode or one season but an overarching story arc sort of like what paul was saying about x files um, I think it really was a, a pretty groundbreaking show in terms of expanding our expectations of what a television show could do over the course of its entire run. I think at the end of the I show, we all, need to sing a, we all need to sing the Gilligan's Island theme song. Oh, I've already been, sing- <laughs> I've been singing it with a mute button I don't on. know if we have that kind <laughs> of time, actually, even though it's a great <laughs> idea. Well, I want to use that as a transition to talk about uh, the state of television today during our coronavirus confinement and and how that is influencing. So a lot has been made over the last decade or so of the death of something that has come to be called the monoculture, another big word for you, Jonathan. And the monoculture (laughs) was this idea that we had a shared cultural experience. And so I think all of the shows that we have talked about are examples of the monoculture. You know, most people in the culture were able to watch those, talk about those, participate, you know, in conversations about those shows. And since the arrival of the internet, I think, and especially the last five to 10 years, there's so many things happening that the monoculture has been sort of, uh, it's almost dissolved. It's been broken. It's been disintegrated. Um, And yet now, because we're all back inside and watching TV, we're having sort of these monoculture moments And I think we're seeing that in a small way with a show on Netflix like Tiger King and in a macro way with how the coronavirus is changing our TV habits. So on the latter topic, for instance, um, I saw one measure that said TV viewing is up 57% since this thing broke. And 
you know, it's not surprising because we're all inside and we need to do something. So here's where I want to go today. I want to talk about Tiger King and then talk about the bigger state of television today. So let's dive in with Tiger King. And in fact, this new show's full title is Tiger King, colon, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. It already (laughs) sounds like something Plugged In's going to love. Paul and Emily, I know you've both seen this show. What is it and why are people talking about it? Boy, I tell you what, it is it is quite the crazy show. It's it is, a madhouse. Yeah, it, one of the very first quotes we hear, you know, they're talking about Tiger King, whose, whose name is Joe Exotic. Uh, one of his rival... <laughs> One of his rival tiger razors says, this is a quote from him. He's a completely insane, gay, gun-toting, drug addict fanatic. And that sort of sums up the main character yep. for this yep. for this show. And here's the thing. he's He might be the craziest person, but it's a contest. I mean, it's pretty close when you look at some of oh, the yeah. other people who we meet here. I mean, th- we're talking about the when you think about sort of that salaciousness that comes with just sort of a reality show, the, the oversized characters, the outlandish plots that it's all here. And it has sort of this, this murder mystery thread that has made a lot of podcasts super, super popular, sort of that true crime angle as well. So I think that those are some of the ingredients that makes Tiger King such a phenomenon right now. Yeah, it's definitely the definition of guilty pleasures right now. <laughs> and I think that I couldn't really understand why everybody was so obsessed with it. I actually, I binge watched it this past weekend um, in preparation for, for work, this right? podcast. For work, for work, <laughs> for work, for work. I did actually for the for this because okay, I, I really couldn't. No, honestly though, I couldn't get into it. I'm not much of a true crime junkie as it is, so I had a hard time getting into it. But I understand why everybody else liked it. It's because you watch it, and you're like, "This isn't real. This isn't well, happening. This is fake." But it's not. It's like it's kind of a docu series. So you know, as you're watching it, you're just kind of like, "I'm so glad that I'm not this crazy." It's <laughs> like a docu series. Train wreck is what it is. It's just well, and it's so funny because I remember you know how when you turn on Netflix, you first there's like a preview showing of some new show (laughs) right away, and like and I remember we were turning on something I don't even remember what, and my wife and I are sitting there, and the preview for this show came on this Tiger King, and we're both looking at it, and we we honestly we looked at each other and thought that is the most ridiculous who would who would watch that and the next day my 22 year old daughter is living with us the next day we walk in and we're like what are you watching she's all tiger king this show's crazy (laughs) and we we both looked at each other we're like wait a second we were just asking who would watch this show and my brilliant daughter i mean who is like i mean I think she's amazing. And I'm sitting there going, what are you watching that for? And she starts explaining it to me. So what do I do? I start sitting and watching it oh. with her. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would have to agree with Emily. I think, um, I really think as I was, I watched a little bit of the show. It didn't, it wasn't a big appeal for me, uh, to be frank, but, uh, watching the, uh, show, I, I was thinking, you know, the fact is that it, it, I think it appeals to our own sense of, well-being when we watch the show much like emily was saying i mean here we are watching all these cult-like situations and people driven by a desperate need for attention and all that sort of stuff and and i think in a way 
the people that enjoy it, it's not about the cats and it's not necessarily even about the murder, but it's more about saying, man, I'm like Emily said, I, I'm so happy that I'm not that messed up. You know, I mean, my family's got some problems, but we're not like that. No, I think and that's so, really true. You know, at least the world isn't debating whether or not we killed one another. Well, that kind of leads yeah. me into my next question. I mean, I've seen some pretty extreme articles on the show's content. One headline compared it to pouring a martini on your brain. And honestly, I don't even know what that means, but I don't think it was a compliment. <laughs> what do you think that this show's combination of extreme content and extreme popularity, at least by Netflix standards, what's that say about our culture right now? Somebody said this to me, and I thought it was very succinctly put. I think it says that everyone's the worst. <laughs> that's Say the, more about that's that. the simplest. <laughs> well, it's just that <laughs> it's just that it's one of those crazy things where it's like we shouldn't be this invested in this show. We shouldn't. It's not great television. It's just drama and just craziness. That's the only word I can think it's, of. It's why everybody used to watch Springer. Because, right. you know, they just saw like people that, you know, that were not people that they normally saw in daily life. And they were just so fascinated by it. It was like, you know, watching, you know, Wild Kingdom, but humans. But with so, <laughs> Exactly. Well, and that's and that's true. It's very true. It's and if you think about it, if you think about it, it's where television has been going for some time. I mean, television. More and more, you see television designed primarily for excitement levels and shock levels. You 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 see these shows that are are uh, are trying to grab our eyeballs with all this bizarre stuff, and and so they don't represent real life very much anymore. Well, and it seems like this show could potentially slot into what we might call a guilty pleasure, and. You know, that's something that we know has a problem. Maybe it's artistic, maybe it's content wise, but we choose to watch anyway. And maybe we watch because of those problems. Why do you think we're sometimes tempted to watch or engage with things that have some pretty big issues content wise? I'm just going to go back to what I said earlier. You know, the more extravagant someone else's behavior is, the better we feel about our own life choices. That's pretty insightful. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's absolutely right. I think that I think that when you look at this type of guilty pleasure, it, it, and it's like it's like Bob who said earlier on in the podcast, I think. I think that it makes us feel better about the way we're living our lives. You know, we we may have our problems, but at least we're not, you know, raising tigers and, you know, doing all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I well, and I think that that as it's far sort as of, you know. it, it's a <laughs> It's it's an interesting thing because I think the crazier times are, and we are really living in a crazy time. I think yeah. that that need for that craziness to find, in a way, I think that reaching out for that craziness makes us feel more normal. It sort of normalizes the world around us a little bit more, and so I think that because of that, it can give us sort of a sense of ease in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, it is interesting when you think of like CSI and all. I mean, obviously. I, I can't believe how many CSIs and NCIS and all this. And, and very often some of them are pretty dark, you know, following some pretty twisted individuals and this and that. And it's interesting that, I mean, 
people my my parents age their demographic loves those shows you know mm-hmm. and you'd never think that sweet little grandma and grandpa what do they like it's like oh they like seeing a body dead open on the autopsy table and figuring out some cruel crime of how this person was killed and what but i mean they love that stuff they do that demographic eats it up so there is something about watching a world that you don't normally see and uh in you know, a world we don't normally world. see Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. i just wanted to say that or then we're now seeing too much of you know but yeah <laughs> sure. well let me connect a couple other maybe random dots but i'm not so sure i wonder how something like the current coronavirus crisis impacts our willingness to potentially engage with shows that maybe we wouldn't otherwise you know do you think there's a connection there you do have more time on your hands. So I feel like a lot of us are probably more willing to invest in a show that we, maybe you've never had time to get into it before. You might dive a little deeper into your Netflix queue. Um, it, it's a little bit, it's a little risky, but which is probably why, you know, Tiger King boomed overnight. I don't think it would have become as popular if it wasn't for the epidemic that we're in. Because like I said, you know, I watched it, but I watched it because everybody else was like, it's you know, the biggest thing right now, but otherwise, if, if, if it wasn't for coronavirus, I probably wouldn't have invested the time into spending, what was it like, there's seven episodes, they're 40 minutes each or whatever, that's almost seven hours, you know, of my time, I never would have invested that amount of time in it, had I not had all this free time on my hands. I think so. I think families are sitting around. Okay. So, so my family yesterday, it's myself, my wife and my daughter here and it's pouring rain and we're looking for something to do. And honestly, my, I even, my, my daughter says, Hey, let's play a game. So we pulled out categories and we're playing after a while. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Let's do something else. And she literally looked at me sarcastic and goes, well, what else is there to do? I mean, we can't go outside. <laughs> she goes, we either play a game, we watch Netflix, we read, you know, or we sleep. I mean, she was saying it sarcastically, <laughs> but I mean, it is sad. I mean, our, our choices are limited and here we were, I mean, we've put together three puzzles in the last four days, <laughs> you know, we That's played countless games. It is. I mean, you know, we actually got online and ordered more puzzles, <laughs> you know, and the puzzle place has back ordered and so we can't even get puzzles for a while oh because that's this, interesting I mean, yeah that's yeah i mean because because they're going crazy so i mean it is it's like uh, we finally did like okay let's watch netflix you know what i mean <laughs> honestly I, I i can only build so many fires and play so many games <laughs> you know i mean so maybe other people are going through this maybe that's just us i'm not sure well that leads me to my next question how have your own tv habits changed since the lockdown started and Jonathan, you, you know, hinted at, we got a lot of time to fill TV's probably one big candidate, but have your, the shows that you watch changed or the kind of things you want to watch change? That's a really good question. I, I don't know when I watch TV because I watch so much of it from my job. You know, I think that, that I tend to lean into quote unquote mindless entertainment as it is you know i think that that i watch old batman tv series reruns i watch cooking shows i watch you know home shows those types of things with with my wife and so i think that in some ways i was already prepared for the coronavirus 
by my TV watching habits because you know they're they're just sort of nice and comfortable when I'm when I'm challenged all the time by by very difficult TV shows that that I have to watch and review the last thing you want is to is to engage in something that really demands a lot of you and so I think for me I don't know if my TV viewing habits have actually changed that much I would agree with Paul I think uh to a certain extent it it has changed some things, but he was talking about uh, tuning into things that that are more comforting, more uh, easy to watch, more relaxing. I think in a way it has that's that's been the big change. Um, and, and for some people, it's the same same thing that they've always been watching. But for me, for example, I've I've tuned out the twenty four seven news broadcasts. I mean, some people may be drawn to it because of the coronavirus thing. I'm I'm driven from it because, uh, in in a sense, now all those news broadcasts are sort of a Tiger King show of their own, you know, because they've mm. got to come up in order to keep our attention. They've got to come up with all the things that are going horribly wrong, and and if anything, it just drives the fear level up for people that are just glued to it 24/7. I think, for me, I would agree with Paul that it's it's some of the older shows. And I think I think people out in our audience ought to be thinking about this too, uh, trying to trying to tune in more of because these days with uh, streaming we've got everything, <laughs> literally every show that's ever been you can find it somewhere, and uh, and there are all these old shows that they can tune back into maybe some old favorites you know you guys mentioned Friends earlier maybe maybe tuning into some of these old favorites that just sort of make you feel good by the end of the time you're watching or or, or i i was thinking of Andy Griffith the old Andy Griffith show i don't there may be people out there that have never even actually seen it they've heard about it but they haven't hmm. watched it or Gilligan's and, Island yeah Gilligan's Island but if you go to those old shows with their sort of old homey comedy and simple life lessons and things like that i think it could be a, a real uplifting experience and yeah. I and I think I think I think that's a good thing for oh and you know and speaking of which I ought to throw this in too um, for those people who enjoy radio drama they shouldn't forget that uh, that Focus on the Family is offering uh, free Adventures and Odyssey Club memberships you know which is and and if you've never heard of Adventures and Odyssey it's sort of a it's sort of a uh, Andy Griffith show kind of yeah, show yeah, for sure. um, you know with 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 a lot of uh, uh, themes of faith and things of that nature, and and it's a it's a great thing to sit around and listen and listen to with your kids at all ages. Yeah, if you haven't seen Adventures in Odyssey because it's free, go get it because it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, listen in. There's some really great shows there. So one of the things that that I'm thinking of as I as I listen to some of these suggestions and and, and you mentioning Friends again, it, it occurs to me that that when we talk about TV, one of the things that that it offers us is and appeals to us is the relationships that that it has. You know, it's it, that sounds kind of strange, but when you talk about Friends, The Office, yeah, even The X Files, yeah, sure. even even Gilligan's Island, you, you're talking about you get to know these characters in a way. And I mm-hmm. think that in a time when we don't get to see our friends and our family as much as we we would like, I think that that provides a certain level of comfort too. You know, just being yeah. able to see yeah. these familiar characters living a fairly normal life. I think that there's something. It's it's a little like a warm blanket wrapped around us in this time. Well, and I want to I want to springboard off that a little bit sideways. Maybe I think Friends is an interesting example here because 
from a plugged in perspective, friends has all kinds of content issues, right? And yet I think it's easy to sort of give friends a pass. And I wonder with, you know, there's so much going on right now that's hard. TV perhaps offers the easiest escape or a way to just sort of veg out from difficult things that are happening. Um, And it's a little bit of an entitlement mentality. How hard do you think we should be on ourselves when we're perhaps looking for those media escapes more than ever right now? Well, I think you watching Friends is much different than sitting down with your 12 year old and watching Friends. Okay. You know, and, and, and because, and people will definitely disagree with me, and, and I'd, I'd love for our listeners to chime in and give us their opinion on this. But, you know, I think that if you and your wife are like watching an old Friends episode, yeah, sometimes it's, it, I mean, Friends is a glimpse into the world's values, and it's a bunch of people, worldly people, living together and and making funny jokes and and this kind of stuff. But sure, mo- most inappropriate stuff is more kind of not so much gratuitous, but more um, imitatable behaviors that we wouldn't want our twelve year olds, you know, and and fourteen year olds thinking, "Hey, this is the way I should live my life," you know. Chances right. are you and your right. wife aren't going to be like, hey, this is the way I should live my life, you know? Right. So I would be worried very much about, um, you know, impressionable young people seeing those kinds of, uh, you know, imitatable behaviors. Um, so as a family, that's why it's sometimes better to find good family shows like that as an escape. But yeah, no, if you and your wife are watching Friends, me personally, I don't think it's going to cause you to stumble. So, you know, speaking of 14-year-olds watching Friends, I kind of have a counterpoint to that. When you as a parent um, indulge in that behavior, if you're going to watch that show, but then look at your 14-year-old and say, yeah, you're not allowed to watch Friends because it's inappropriate or whatever your reasoning is. (laughs) The problem is, you know, like me, when I was 14, I was not allowed to watch Friends. You know who was? My parents who had the you know, the box DVD set and my two older sisters. And that made me so upset because everybody was watching friends, but me. So what I would do is I would, you know, I'd take one DVD and I'd go to my room and I'd watch it in secret. And I don't think that the show, I was, I had enough discernment that the show didn't really, you know, affect my behavior other than the fact that I was breaking rules to watch it. But if you're going to set those boundaries and say, hey, we're allowed to watch this because we're adults, but you're not, you need to be talking to your child about it. Like, hey, this is why you're not watching it. This is why I don't think it's appropriate for you. And Emily, my perspective is, you know, my kids are grown and out of the house, so I don't have to deal with that. You know, look, I'm going to have to probably think about that with my grandkids because um, I'm old. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that's absolutely true. And I, I love I love your story of sneaking it into it because that's exactly what kids do, except they don't have to sneak DVDs nowadays. They just click on their own device that they've got in their bedroom. Oh, it's so much <laughs> yeah. easier. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I love this conversation because I think. I think there's a lot of complexity here in terms of how we make entertainment choices and that sometimes we let ourselves off the hook when I wonder if maybe we should still be saying, well, why am I watching this? What, what is the message here? How might it be influencing me? Um, And especially right now where there's so much going on that I think it's easy to make an excuse for yourself. I think it's an important time for us to continue to try to ask the question, well, what does it look like for us to have discernment for ourselves uh, and, and for our kids? And I love the back and forth 
between Jonathan and Emily because I, I totally hear where Jonathan's coming from, that there's a different context in life and it may influence you differently. And yet Emily's coming back and saying, what does it look like to have integrity that our kids can see? And I'm not trying to say, Jonathan, you don't have integrity, but um, <laughs> that, that our shots kids- Shots fired. Shots fired, right? <laughs> um, our kids recognize those inconsistencies so easily. Uh, and so I think that the challenge for us in this time where we're watching more and more TV because there is space to fill is continuing to engage with why am I watching this? How might it be influencing us? And not just saying, well, it's coronavirus. I'm bored. I'm tired. There's nothing else to do. We're just going to watch it. So I think that's my word as we finish this conversation today is continue to be engaged, be engaged with your own decisions, with what your kids are watching And I think the extent to which we can watch things together as a family and talk about it continues to model um, that stance of engagement and intentionality, even in a time right now that is pretty crazy in a lot of ways. So what about you? What are you watching these days at home? What new shows have gotten your attention? And how are you monitoring and paying attention to your own family's limits and boundaries when it comes to television? We want to know. So let us know at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And on the episode page for today's show, you'll also find links to focus on the family's growing list of resources and activities for your family as we ride out this coronavirus storm together. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, well, I think it's true you've got more time than ever to do that (laughs) and more time than ever to tell your friends about us too so we look forward to spending some more time with you next week on the plugged in show 